Oh, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and we are going to be talking about professional wrestling once again tonight. Recording this on March 21st, 2023. Going to go down that, that, that great road of wrestling criticism, and we've got some, we got some juicy stuff here tonight to, to go down with you. If you're, uh, if you're listening to this on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes right now, listen, thank you very much and consider giving a like to the video and uh, a subscription. Those things help out a great deal, help the channel grow. Just as uh, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify if you're listening to the audio feed, to um, the audio podcast version of it, right? Because that's essentially what a podcast is. It's audio. It's as you should be listening, right? Uh, consider that. That's fantastic. Consider you're leaving uh, so, some reviews, some uh, 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 some ratings there. Again, it just helps. Tiny little things. They help out a great deal. And uh, and I thank you in advance. How about that? Um, I've got to listen. We've also got things like the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord that you can join to continue to chat, 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 chat about professional wrestling. The link is in the description if you want to do that. Uh, and I've got a busy week coming up. Um, of course, every, I'll be back on Thursday per usual. You don't want to miss the AEW Dynamite review that I do on a weekly basis every Thursday. Um, so that's a, actually a very good opportunity for you to... It's a good idea for you to subscribe to that, <laughs> to, to the channel or to the audio feed so that you don't miss it. But then on top of that, I have a special edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show happening this Friday where I'm going to be... Uh, breaking down the Jericho vortex, you know, this idea that people feud with Chris Jericho and uh, and they end up being sucked into this uh, vortex, for lack of a better word at this point, where, you know, they never really come out looking better than when they started, right? So I'm breaking that down and I'm not doing it alone. I'll be joined by Joe Lanza of the Flagship Podcast who, and uh, we go through the exercise together. It was a fun, I, you know, at this point, the show is already recorded. You just have to do some editing, bells and whistles and all of that. But uh, it was a, a great talk with Joe. It's a fun show. I hope you check it out. That should be out this Friday. It's going to be some busy times. And, uh, and next week, well, you know, we're on the cusp of WrestleMania and WrestleMania week. So there's going to be tons of previews next week. So look, you just have to subscribe at this point. You got to keep me close. You got to you, you got to hang on to the best D-list podcast because you can be part of the A-plus audience that I always appreciate and love. So, uh, so let's do that. Let's do all of that. I appreciate you being here. As for tonight, well, we're going to talk about the New Japan Cup. Uh, the finals happen. We have a winner. We're going to be chatting about that. Spoiler alert. So, you know, if you, if you, you can always skip that for now if you want. Uh, we are going to talk about a free agent out there, a, a, a reportedly new free agent out there in the wrestling world. And we're going to be one of our favorite staples here on the Mr. Warren Hayes show. So we got that cooking. We've got that simmering up for you. Talking AEW, talking Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Let's just get right to it. Thank you for being here. However, as it stands right now, we are going to jump right into the weekly wrestling inspection. Oh, cut the music too quickly. <laughs> I'm too excited. I'm excited. That's why I'm stoked. Stoked, I tells you. I'm excited to talk about uh, uh, the um, the New Japan Cup. 
which concluded today we're going into spoiler territory folks so if it's something if if you want to uh if you don't want to hear any talk about the new japan cup right now because you haven't caught up yet you haven't you've been staying away from all the spoilers well now is the time to not be here anymore <laughs> or or just fast forward to later you know you can find the chapters in the bottom here uh without a without an issue if you're watching this on demand of course um our boy sanada has won the new japan cup 2023 this year uh defeating dave finley today in the finals made it the whole way through uh and uh both of these guys uh were actually uh first round uh, um, participants. N neither of them had a buy. We had talked about the buys, the buy situation, um, not that long ago. Which I, you know, I didn't. I don't understand. But there's people that I understand why they got a buy. Others that I don't understand. I know, you know, um, Kevin Kelly tried to cover for it, saying, you know, well, you know, luck of the draw. You know, they, they, you know, their names were drawn backstage to get a buy. I'm like, yeah, just, just make it make sense for me. Do the draw. Do anything. But you know, anyway, so the point here being <laughs> David Finley and Sonata did not get a bye. They wrestled the entire way through and made it to the very end. And uh, for, for a good solid minute, I really thought Sonata was going, uh, Dave Finley was going to be the guy who was going to do it. Uh, but uh, no, they decided to. To, to do it with Sonata, who had an entire story going into this. I mean, you know, New Japan doesn't do stories. Wow, I would I would have a tendency to disagree on this one. Um, he, um, he early on in the in the cup, he uh, he set up well his first match. Let's start because that's really where the 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 essence of this starts. His first match in the tournament is against his boy Tai Chi. Right, and Tai Chi is uh, well. They're friends. They're good friends. And uh, whenever Sonata and Tai Chi dis fight, uh, it, it always brings something really, really juicy and good out of Sonata. He's always um, I don't know what it is. Well, probably because they're friends, and so they have good chemistry, and they're ready to you know just work with each other like really, really well. But it always brings something good out of uh, out of Sonata, and they had a fantastic. Uh, opening match on uh, to, to to kick things off, then moves on to to Kenta do, does Sonata in you know one of the worst matches of, the, of of the cup, and and at that point I'm like, well, there's Sonata again, right? <laughs> Completely uneven, totally uneven Sonata, where it's like sometimes he just shines and other times he's just like, well, what are we even doing, right? And this was the case here, uh, and this leads him into meanwhile his. Lij stablemate Tetsuya Naito is winning his own matches. He had a bye though. No, he did not have a bye. Excuse me. He defeated El Fantasma, Chase Owens, and made it here. And in the lead up, you know, they have the multi matches, multi man matches. You know, and you know, at the end of the matches, you know, they're not necessarily you know super chummy chummy. Sonata's always being you know the straight face guy, and Sonata's giving him a side eye. You know, you're like, okay, there's a little tension here, but it's not unusual for the Lij guys to, to fight each other. But we get to the match. Sonata wins, and he decides he's like, I, I hit the bricks. I'm uh, uh, I, I'm out of here. I'm leaving you guys to join just for guys. 
which are now, you know, the 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 stable of uh, uh, Takamichi Noku, Taichi, uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki, which will now unfortunately be known as just five guys. I'm not making any burger jokes because that's not the point. I'm very, very, very disappointed because my just four guys bit is now dead thanks to Sonata. And that, that it gives, I have heat with Sonata now because I think I, I really enjoyed calling them just for guys moving forward. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed that bit and I was ready to ride that bit for a while. It was not dead before the turn. It was a good bit. Now, just five guys, just five guys, which has no rhyme or reason, no significance. Plus, on top of that, this as if that's not enough, we're going to be subjected to burger jokes up and down all around by everyone. They're going to talk about this on, on podcasts and they're going to spend like two minutes, you know, making jokes about, you know, brioche buns, about, you know, Tai Chi's delicious little brioche buns. Anyway, I'm done. It's a shame. I there was there was more there was a lot more juice to squeeze out of the just for guys bit. I'm sorry there was. So he quits LIJ, which he had joined and if I'm not mistaken was on his debut, he had joined LIJ in 2016. So Bushi and Naito at the time were Los Ingobernables de Japón along with uh, with Sonata. And then he shows up on his 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 quarterfinal match against uh, uh, Mark Davis, his semifinal match, I should say. The quarterfinals was with uh, Sonata, but his semifinal match with um, uh, 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 Mark Davis. And he shaved. Shaved all the, 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 the goofy hirsute beard. Uh, you know, got all the... Uh, uh, got all the, the 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 frost out of his hair. Stop with the stop with the jokes. And he and he's got a nice trim haircut. And 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 I look at him and it's like that's a he's a that's a that's a handsome gentleman right there. Good looking, handsome young man, strapping gentleman is this uh, Sonata fellow. And. Uh, now that he's joined just five guys, I, I find he seems quite motivated. You know, it, it motivated him to, to the point where he beat uh, uh, Naito, giving him his, um, <laughs> giving Naito his first singles loss in Corken Hall in like seven years or something. So, you know, from that point on, they have they have something big planned for Sonata, right? From that point on, it was like, okay, for, for sure he's reaching the finals. 
so uh, you know I, I'm 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 watching this and I'm like okay this was you know there was something great to come out of there, there's some they have something in the chamber for this guy. Uh, I still thought David Finley was going to to win the cup just because they were they were really pushing him hard on the other side on the other side of the brackets with Gato cutting post match promos every time to you know make sure that Dave Finley got all the heat and so on and so forth. Uh, and their match was fantastic. I w- I thought it was very very good. But so Sonata pulls out a big win. Uh, you know he's been reinventing himself. He's been you know dumping Skull End as a finisher and uh, and going in with the with the uh, the modified DDT. And we have to stop calling it that, and we have to give it a name because it's you know it's a, like a I don't know a twisting DDT. Look, whatever it is, the modified DDT. Give it a name. Give it give it something skeleton related so we can move on. Uh so there we go. He's going to face Kazuchika Okada at uh, Secure Genesis for the uh, IWGP <clears throat> World Heavyweight Title, April eighth. But um, I, look, I'm I'm going to tell you the 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 jury is still out for me in regards to um, in, in regards to uh, to uh, Sonata. Um, I am all for, and I think it's a, I think it's essential in pro wrestling uh, that wrestlers eventually reinvent themselves in different ways, right? Just like Mustafa Ali right now is reinventing himself as a very happy, positive guy. No, uh, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I do believe wrestlers sometimes do need a little reinvention to reinvigorate themselves. Um, in Lij, I think it's it's. As a faction itself, if if you're in a faction with Tetsuya Naito, who's one of the you know one of the goats, uh, uh, Shingo Takagi, you know who's uh, you know one of the goats, and uh, and Hiromu Takahashi, who is you know one of the goats, it's easy to be uh, to to fall into the shadow of some of these folks, right? And, and I, I I don't think anyone can argue that. I, you could make an argument that Sonata was maybe third, I would say fourth fiddle in that in that group in regards to popularity, uh, work rate, so on and so forth. Like you know, I think there's um, I think there's something to be said there. Not not the time or the place for the argument right now, but the point the point still stands. Sonata in that group wasn't a point of interest, right? Um, and they've tried, <coughs> excuse me, they've tried so hard multiple times to try to get, uh, to try to get Sonata over as a big time thing. And every time they tried it, Sonata got into his own way, I feel. I, I I I don't think I don't think this is a this is a terribly hot take. Um, but this will not be Sonata's first match with Kazuchika Okada, right? And they've all been hit or miss. And every time Sonata main events, it's hit or miss. Because sometimes you will get just like you know this plodding. I don't want to say lazy, 
But this plodding, you know, sloppy, unfocused Sonata where you're like, and, and that's always like the feeling that I get in the pit of my stomach. Now, if we go back in time to maybe 2008, 2019, when I was, you know, starting the, the, the podcasting thing, 2018, to, you know, and we're talking about New Japan and I'm talking about them with, with pals. I'm like, man, Sonata, let's push him. Let's, you know, give this guy the moon, just push him all the way. And, 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 and it turns out that, you know, with years, I've, you know, he's, he's proven me wrong on that point. It's like, I, I, I'm, I'm no longer as gung-ho about a, 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 a big Sonata singles run as I once was. As it stands right now, I'm like... like I'm on the fence right now. The jury's still out. The Warren Hayes jury is still out when, in regards to this, to this Sonata push. Because I don't know what's... I don't know what's... I've been burnt a few times before. I feel like he's. I feel like he's got something to prove. But like you would, you would argue, hey, uh, everyone has something to prove in pro wrestling, Warren. That's you know the nature of the business. But you know, I, I also think that um, he he might uh, he might end up um, he might end up uh, being like um, well, he might just end up like. Uh, being a bit of a dork again because he's so and, and we saw it in this tournament it's not as if he had a flawless tournament uh, 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 his match with Kenta wasn't good it, it just really wasn't good his but the times that he's wrestled but look this is why I'm ready to give like I, I'm ready to give him a chance out the gate and let's have this conversation in a few months a year. Let's see how things go. Uh, he seems motivated when Tai Chi is around. He seems excited. It does bring something out of him. And maybe he, re maybe just the change of scenery, the change of people he has to hang out with, you know, because there's still there's still a, a fair level of of kayfabe when it comes to factions in Japanese wrestling in Puro, right? Uh, you know, you won't see you won't see uh, 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 factions. Faction members hanging out with members of other factions. So maybe all of this will just do him some good. Maybe he'll, you know, it'll light a fire. I'll tell you one thing. April 8th, he's wrestling one of the greatest of all time. Again, but, you know, legitimately one of the greatest in Kazuchika Okada. A guy who is, it's practically impossible to have a bad match with and uh if he doesn't shine with Okada in this new form that he has this you know now that he's come out of his LIJ chrysalis um I don't know what to tell you like this match has got to my expectations on him are very high at this point it has to wow me if I come out going well we got a sonata Man, I'm I, I'm I'm coming through. I'm I'm entering this with trepidation, despite the fact that I'm excited. It, it, does that make sense? Like I'm excited to see 
the path he's going to, he, he's, he's forging for himself right now. The new look, the new stable mates, the, you know, I have, I'm confident that this will probably do him a lot of good, but, uh, and, 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 and honestly, uh, in, in the finals, the crowd was into him. I mean, there's no denying that for the Japanese audience, for the live crowds, he's fucking over. People were up on their feet for this match. Well, not up on their feet. They don't usually do that anymore in Japan, but they were loud. They were extremely loud. And here, like in the, you know, this is probably something that's part of it as well, right? It's like he's, 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 uh, he's joining just five guys for you know as a as a front man right he's not going to be like i said he's not playing third or fourth fiddle in this group like he was in lij he's front and center it's going to be taichi and him in this group even though taka is going to be the the, the mouthpiece apparently uh taichi and him are going to be the center it's not going to be fucking dookie it's not going to be uh, uh uncle uh, uncle nobu you know taichi and sonata are the they're the the um, they're the front men of this group, so he can't just lay back and be like, "Well, you know, no." They, and maybe this is what he wanted. Maybe this is what he needed to just get that fire lit. Look, I I don't know what to say anymore. I think I, I've 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 went up and down the question here. And Chad is talking about it. He's you know he's he has to be in the uh, he has to be. Uh, at his very best because the, the spotlight is going to be constantly on him. It's going to be constantly on him at this point. Well, I don't know. Um, April 8th is going to come up real soon. It's in a couple of weeks. It is uh, Easter weekend here in North America. So um, I'll be watching. You know what I'm doing on April 9th, on Easter Sunday? I'm going to see Depeche Mode. I, 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 I legitimately won tickets to go see Depeche Mode. I'm going to be uh, uh, on Easter Sunday. I will be going to see Depeche Mode and I will have my own personal Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, but okay, but back to the match, back to the finals. Um, I thought the match ruled. I thought it was great. Fantastic match between the two. Match of the year? No, I wouldn't say that. I think there was another match on this card that qualified as match of the year. We'll talk about it. But uh, uh, this one here, I, it was nonetheless a fantastic match. He and Dave Finley, because Dave Finley's in the same position as him. He's got, he's got a lot to uh he's got a lot to live up to here because Dave Finley took out Jay White, took all his heat, and they're positioning him to be a top guy in Bullet Club. He's not just he's not gonna be another Juice Robinson in the group. He's not gonna be a Yujiro. He's not gonna be he's not gonna be a, a, a you know a, a Chase Owens. No, no, they're, they're putting Dave in here in a prime role. So he had a lot of pressure throughout this tournament as well. I thought Dave had a fine tournament. Thought Dave Finley had a fine tournament. Made it all the way to the end. 
And he's, you know, clearly being positioned as a mover and shaker moving forward. Getting the heat off Jay White, like, well, like we mentioned. Um, and uh, and he's had some, he's had some nice little, nice little moments throughout the tournament. His match with Ishii on night two. We'll talk about that a little more, but um, just a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, the, the the story they've been telling throughout the, the 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 tour here was that he and El Fantasmo were sort of like at odds a little bit because El Fantasmo didn't quite accept the way that Dave Finley treated Jay White uh, uh, at his exit as Jay White uh, left the company. Uh, El Fantasmo keeps bringing up uh, the, this idea of a uh, of uh, there uh, of it being a, a a detriment that the fact that there's a there's a power that he's a detriment to the Bullet Club that there's a power vacuum right because Dave Finley is apparently positioning himself as leader and ELP's like well, he's not my leader kind of thing and, uh, and and we're perpetuating this story this is going to keep moving forward here but I, you know I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder, is ELP, is this feud with El Fantasmo, this little, should we call it a feud? Let's say this, 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 these grumblings that are going on right now, these little, these little burning things here. Uh, is this going to, uh, it, or, is this going to be, a good or a bad thing for either guy. I think we have to be careful. When I say we, I mean particularly Ghetto on how this is handled. Because ELP right now, is not just right now, period. He, I find he has much more upside than Dave Finley. He is much more charismatic. He is. He has much more flair in what he does much more of a performer I think he has the natural abilities that Dave Finley does not have that could end up overshadowing Finley's work um that's 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 that might happen quite quite frankly very sincerely actually and um and the fact that there's a power vacuum right now means that both of them are going to be at odds. So I, I, there's one of two things that can happen in this feud here if we're not careful. The first one is ELP overshadowing Dave Finley. Depends what Gato wants to do. Maybe the, this whole Dave Finley thing is a is a uh, is a, a red herring. You know, I you know I've said this a couple of times on this on this very show. I always thought that they were grooming. Uh, Phantasmo to be the next leader of Bullet Club. He was on a trajectory not too uh, not too different from one Kenny Omega, who left the group chat, by the way. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he has a lot of the attributes that um, that uh, 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 Kenny Omega has as well. So 
I, I really saw that path for El Fantasma. Well, now we got Dave Finley in the mix who's like, no, I, you know, I'm a hard hitter. I'm a fighter. I'm a brawler. You know, and it's my time. And, he, and he's got Ghetto to back him up. And the fact that he has Ghetto to back him up is probably indicative, right? But we never know. Ghetto is also, you know, he swerves. It's fine. It's interesting because then Finley's push could end up being detrimental to El Fantasmo's as well because Finley, you know, if he's if Finley's overpushed and established as this, you know, this dominant force because he was he didn't cheat his way to the to victory in the New Japan Cup. Like Ghetto never interfered once in any of the matches. This was a complete departure of. Switchblade and Ghetto. Dave Finley and Ghetto. Ghetto doesn't get involved. I think there might, you know, there's a collision course on its way. I think that's inevitable. Look, Bullet Club is going to be, you know, uh, uh, Wrestling Duntaku in May is the Bullet Club anniversary, form, form, uh, anniversary of their formation, right? So I think it's fair to expect either a match between the two or some some type of significant event happening there uh, in regards to Finley and ELP and the rest of Bullet Club as well. I'm very curious to see how this is going to go down. But, uh, you know, again, I, I, you know, right now, Dave Finley, ELP, they're tied at the hip. They're joined at the hip. Uh, and, yeah, booking has to be careful if they over push a guy, it could be it could be very bad for the other guy. So again, let's have this conversation in in a month, uh, not in a month, in a year. But we could have this conversation again in a month, just to you know refresh my memory and whatnot. But uh, but a good, uh, very good finals of the New Japan Cup. A um, couple of other bits and bobs. That I like to talk about that happened throughout the, you know, just things that captivated my attention. Mark Davis captivated my attention. Look, it's incredibly unfortunate that Will Ospreay got injured in in such a dumb way. Like the, like, you know, the spot where you know he's covered by the by the floor mats. What are you gonna do? Um, Davis does the, uh, the 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 senton on top. What like what? It, it was just a, a, a dumb spot to get hurt on. But that's usually how a lot of injuries in wrestling happens. And that's how they happen. It's just like a, it's dumb luck. Unfortunate luck. Got his shoulder dislocated. Not just a dislocation. He's out for a while. He's, uh, he's not going to be at WrestleMania weekend at the Impact Show. Hiroshi Tanahashi offered to fill in for him. So that's something. But Osprey's out. As long as... As long as Osprey's out by Forbidden Door, until Forbidden Door, he's back by Forbidden Door. Jesus, that was hard to say. As long as he's back by Forbidden Door, especially if I get tickets. But um, yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's incredibly unfortunate. Like I said, that Osprey got injured. And I'm convinced that Sonata, I, 
I'm convinced Sonata was going forward regardless. When I look at the path of, that Sonata was on, because Sonata was supposed to fight uh, 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 um, uh, Will, uh, Will Ospreay, I would, I would assume he was supposed to fight Will Ospreay in the semifinals. And, and I don't think this was, the booking was changed because Ospreay got injured. I think Sonata was supposed to go over Osprey to continue to establish the fact that, okay, we're turning this guy into a big time player, right? Going over Osprey would be a big time victory for, for Sonata at this stage. So, um, so I don't think the, you know, the booking plans were changed just because Davis got swapped in for Osprey. But boy, oh boy, did Mark Davis have a, have a time to shine in singles competition, right? The, I, and and I, I fell in love with what he was doing throughout the throughout the just a couple of matches he was in, uh, and especially his especially his match with Sonata. And you know, look, you have Kevin Kelly, you know, calling back Stan Hansen, and he's not wrong, but. He's he does shit that Stan Hansen could never do on top of that. It, like I mean, you know, I think you know, I, I think the comparisons are 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 warranted to a degree. You know, Hansen Hansen just per, was portrayed as being like a a badass, just a a, a a an angry cowboy madman, you know what I mean? Whereas uh 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 uh, our our guy here, Mark Davis, he's maybe you know not quite as serious. You know, he has that. He often in, in his expressions and his reactions, he has that like that over the top wrestling is absurd kind of stuff going, and which is fine. I, I appreciate it. I like Mark Davis a lot. I just you know, but I'm just saying like the you can compare him to Stan Hansen to a certain degree, where right? because Stan Hansen was just like a. He was just like a badass. I'm gonna come beat you up. All serious, all business. Mark Davis is a professional wrestler, and I, and I mean that lovingly, right? It's not not a bad thing, but anyway. Point being here, I thought his tournament was great. I thought it was fantastic. Even a match that I should have hated, a match that I absolutely should have hated, his match against Evil, was phenomenal, and not because. And you know, not because of the work rate, but because the shit that happened in that match got the crowd so hype and it was just so much fun. I was like, this is a great match. But this is why, you know, I, this, I think this match is one of these matches where when a lot of people start talking about, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, uh, star ratings can't work. Star ratings kind of work because if you were to rate this like purely like on a on a scale, you know, as far you know, if your criteria you know, is all about you know the work and you know match structure and you know spots and psychology and it's not gonna it's not gonna rank high, but when you look at the match in its entirety and the audience that was so into the united empire beating the shit out of the house of torture and i myself was super into it this this match worked on every level it connected and was great i want more of that so even in a match that i should have hated 
He was great. His match with Sonata, he was great. And he's just no nonsense, leaning in, beating the shit out of Sonata. And Sonata is responding. He's doing his best to keep up. I thought it was great. One of my favorite matches of the tournament. Great moment to shine by Davis. Like this really was Will Ospreay saying, Mark, I'm going to give, let, let's just go. I'm going to I'm gonna go tell Gato I want you to do it. Came back and he did it for his boy. Davis looked great. There's, and even in the match with, and I even think the match with Osprey was fine, but I think the matches after were even better. <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun. Mark Davis, um, and then I'm like, you know, then I'm running through my brain and I'm like, well, give him singles matches against all the hosses, <laughs> all the brawlers. This is what I want at this point now. This is great. Um, Shota Umino also. I think it's a point of discussion here for me anyway. Um, I'm warming back up to uh, the roughneck. Shooter. Shooter Shota. Umino. I'm warming back up to him. Um, he had back, bad, back-to-back bad matches. You know, the match with Naito a couple of weeks ago in the main event. And then Yujiro on the opening night. I was looking at it and I was like, oof, man, what is going on? Are, you know, I talked about it with the Naito match. And and I talked about it with the because you know I, I covered the first few matches of the of the cup. And I said, you know, look, he opens up his first show, his first match, um, with Yujiro, and it's a stinker. Now you know, ch- chatting with people, they're like, yeah, but what are you going to do with Yujiro? And I'm like, well, fair. <clears throat> you know, I know you're not going to. You're you're not going to get the the the, the five star classic. You're not even you know if you make it to four stars with Yujiro, you're a genius. But it was bad, and I understand that Yujiro is a you know he's a sack of potatoes. What are you gonna do with um you know what are you gonna do putting him with a guy who is still very inexperienced, not green, inexperienced that maybe doesn't exactly know how to carry a guy, especially a guy who is a veteran to his eyes. I don't know what kind of weight Yujiro throws around backstage I don't know I would assume that if he's pals with Dick Dick Togo you, you know you don't go start shooting on him but his tournament outside of the Yujiro match that was good it was fun I think he had a fun he had a fun tournament uh definitely noteworthy and, and the build to his match with Finley was great. On the undercards leading up where they were just, they just wanted to kick the shit out of each other. They just hated each other. And I like this because, you know, this has the makings of a down and dirty feud with Finley. Something that they can go back to moving forward. And, 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 and if the New Japan Cup this year was under the banner of let's push some new faces, let's get some of the old guard away and get some new faces moving into the uh, into the, the the consciousness of the fans well this is this is a a a a feud from these new faces look dave finley is not a new face but he is in the midst of a the biggest push of his career we have never taken dave finley 
we were, let me say that again. We have never been expected to take Dave Finley as seriously as we do now. Shoda is in the midst of a push as well as one of these young new guys that uh, that New Japan is ready to lean on to move forward. So this is a fresh feud. And if they want to add some animosity, they want to add a level of, of anger and frustration and, and, and just bile to it. They can't stand each other. If they all they see when they, if all they want to do when they see each other is just beat the tar out of each other, that's fantastic. Keep adding on to it and on to it and on to it. But I think they have the, I think there's a seed here and and a good one on top of that uh, for some long term uh, feuds that could that will create returns down the road as these guys continue to climb the ladder, establish themselves as, as top acts. We'll be able to go back to these initial matches here in the cup and be like, look, this Dave Finley and Shota Umino all started in the 2023 New Japan Cup. That's how they, they you know, <coughs> this is where we're at now. Years and years, whatever. I'm all for it. This is good stuff. Shota had a very good tournament. I'm warming back up to him. He, he, he's, uh, he, he was uh, capable of, of winning me over once again. We got all sorts of little bits and bobs of news that popped out, especially after today, the, 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 the finals. Um, Robbie Eagles is joining TMDK. Well, hang on. Even before we talk about that, we have to mention, we have to mention the excellent match that... Hiromu Takahashi and Leo Rush had on the finals, the semi-main event uh, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, um, match of the year. Just an excellent piece of professional wrestling uh, with intensity, drama, fucking hot crowd for this match. Uh, the best Leo Rush has been in a long, long time. And look, I I know that you know the you know the retirement meme is what it is with with Leo Rush, right? But I remember when he first when he announced his first retirement, <laughs> which is weird to say, but when it's when he left WWE, right? If I'm not mistaken, once he left and he announced that he was done with wrestling, I tweeted to him, which I don't often do with wrestlers, and I said and I said this is a shame because the world of wrestling, no, it's when he came back. It's when he came back after that, you know, that little retirement. I said, I told him, I'm glad you're back. The world of wrestling is better off with Leo Rush in it. And I really believe that. And he's, he's been, you know, it, it's been a twisty, turvy uh, road he's been on. But when I see what he, what he does in a big match situation like this, big crowd on a big, on an important night for New Japan, the cup finals, against Hiromu and he's dragging the he's dragging the good shit out of Hiromu at the same time um I stand by what I told him the pro wrestling is better off with him in it because if this is what he does if this is what he's still capable of doing and he's doing it on this level and he's not just doing spots for spots sakes he's investing himself he's creating a story this was a, an extraordinary piece of pro wrestling it's a match of the year for me absolutely a match of the year candidate 
I loved it. I loved every second of it. And that final stretch, that final third, not even the final stretch, the whole like final, you know, six to seven minutes of this, uh, of, uh, of the match was just extraordinary. You, you, you have to go back and watch it. If you haven't, if you've, if you watched it and you should just make time out of your day, seek this match out, subscribe to, to world, new Japan world and watch it. It is that good. Yeah, trust me on it. This is one that you need, that you, that you need in your chamber, uh, moving forward. And like I said, he was able to drag the, the good out of Hiromu at the same time, which is also a good thing because I, you know, I'm on the record. I said it here. I, I, I felt like, however, he's, you know, over the past couple of defenses, he's been proving me wrong, but I, I, I felt like Hiromu had been uh, phoning it in for a while. You know, there, there was a formula to his matches and it was, you know, I kind of saw through it and it was starting to bother me. But Hiromu's another guy that I feel is reinvigorating. He's been having all sorts of different types of competition. You know, the Noah, um, the Noah crossover, him wrestling at, uh, at uh, uh, Muda's uh, final, final bye-bye adios show. Uh, and then um, the, uh, the match that, uh, uh, his match was show. And then his junior festival. I feel like Hiromu is reinvigorated himself. You know, with the injuries and everything that's, you know, his back and whatnot, his neck. We're never going to get the, you know, the 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 truly, you know, suicidal tendencies Hiromu that made him who he was. That that ship has sailed because otherwise, you know, then he will absolutely die in the ring and no one wants that. But we're, if he, you know, he's adapting his style, he's trying out something new. And what we've got here, what we got in this match here was exactly that type of Hiromu. One that, uh, that still has that daredevil edge to him, that irrepressible energy and just fiery charisma that he has against an opponent that knows how to bring the best out of him. This it was just that good. It was just that fucking good of a match. Again, yeah, you have to you have to seek it out. You have to you have to find it. You have to get it. You have to watch it. So, but outside of that, at the end of the match, uh, you have Zack Sabre Jr. coming out, and he says, "I have a member of TMDK, the newest member of TMDK, who's going to come out here." To, uh, to challenge you. And that newest member is Robbie Eagles. Who is leaving chaos because uh, Leo Rush jumped the queue. Leo Rush was a member of chaos, affiliated with chaos. And, you know, Robbie Eagles is like, look, I'm sitting over here. I'm in Australia. I'm doing nothing. And I'm seeing you jump, jump the queue. It's like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done with this. Sloppy shop. Okada strikes again. Sloppy Shop Okada strikes once again. I don't know what to tell y'all. It is you know since since Shinsuke's gone, 
chaos has not been has been a breeding ground of discontent. Will Ospreay? Jay White? Who am I forgetting? There's a uh, there's someone Robbie, but I'm forgetting someone. I'm look. Sloppy shop, uh, Kazu. What kind of what are you running there? Um, so he's the newest member of TMDK, which I think fits perfectly, you know, in the frat boy group that they're setting up here. Uh, also, we're going to be getting probably Aaron Hanari versus Shingo for the King of Pro Wrestling title. That'll be coming up undoubtedly. Aaron Hanare, who also had a very good uh, tournament, although shorter than many others, uh, had a great match with Shingo, no surprise. But ended up pinning Shingo uh, in the tournament. Um, Naito challenged Great Okan for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Title. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they'll be doing that match in Japan or if this is going to be something they'll be doing in the UK. And uh, House of Torture also challenged Strong Style, the uh, trio of uh, Minoru Suzuki, Ren Narita, and El Desperado for the six-man titles again. And, you know, I fear we're going back to square one on this one. These are just some bits and bobs that came out of the, uh, that came out of all of this, uh, leading us into uh, Secure Genesis on April um, 8, just a couple of weeks, two weeks. And overall, you know, I thought the New Japan Cup was pretty good. You know, not a blow away tournament uh, where, you know, it's like, you know, you, 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 where you lose your mind over anything here. Uh, look, I'm glad they returned this to a smaller field. I think it was a much more, the, 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 the tournament was a little more expeditious. It was a lot more fun to watch. Uh, I was ready to cover it uh, uh, much more with enthusiasm because the, the field was so low, small. You know, we had had huge brackets uh over the past two years and i'm glad i'm it felt more focused felt like the guys in it mattered you know you don't have fucking bad luck folly in there you still had yujiro fucking yujiro um but it was fine like i i you know there's a lot of positives to it uh, a lot of focus on the new faces as i mentioned you know finley uh you know sonata is not a new face but a refreshed face uh, Shota Umino, uh, Aaron Hanari got a big win. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of faces that you're not necessarily used to seeing moving forward in these tournaments. Mark Davis. So it felt, you know, there was a little unpredictable aspect to it, which is good. You know, not that predictable is necessarily bad. You know, even if, you know, it's not a necessarily bad thing when things are predictable. Sometimes it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. But, you know, sometimes you're like, well, Naito's going to go forward, Naito's winning. But no, Naito got knocked out, you know. Uh, you know, uh, um, Shingo got knocked out in the uh, first round. You have uh, Aaron Hanare moving forward. You have, uh, uh, um, you know, Mark Davis being a surprise here. Shota knocked out Zack Sabre Jr., another guy that we're used to seeing. You know, Tournament Zack is absolutely a thing. Well, Tournament Zack didn't show up this year. 
So, you know, I, I, this is going to be my main takeaway. A little more focus on new acts, new faces. Um, they seem to want to continue establishing, they want to, you know, New Japan, they want to continue establishing some, some, some new talent moving forward because they know some of the older guys just aren't going to be around anymore, aren't going to be as, uh, around as long. So uh, this was a good showcase for that. And I think the fact that the tournament was so short, it helped preserve a mystique for those who did go forward and didn't have to wrestle two or three extra matches. A lot of them were able to get through perfectly. Some recommendations? Would you like some recommendations to watch? I say Sonata versus Taichi on night one. That was, uh, uh, I think everyone who watched the uh, the tournament agrees that it's one of the top three matches of the entire tournament. Uh, and started off on night one on a hell of a, a hell of a strong footing. Dave Finley and Tomohiro Ishii on night two, which was a lot of fun as well. Um, the Aaron Hanare Shingo Takagi match on night four. Shingo loses, spoiler, I already said it anyway. But uh, Hanare had a hell of an outing here. And uh, this is a guy that they could really bank on if they really wanted to. This, he's improved so much and his move set is so good. And of course, he shined with Shingo, but everyone does because Shingo's an MVP. Shingo's one of the best in the world. He's extremely generous with, with, with Hinari who just gobbled up every... It's not just a question of he made him look good. Hinari took every opportunity that Shingo threw at him in this match and devoured it, made it his own. It was great. Will Ospreay versus Mark Davis was also a lot of fun. Shota Umino versus Zack Sabre Jr. on night eight. In, these, in this aforementioned top three matches, in my opinion, of the tournament. The Mark Davis versus Evil uh, in fact, all of Mark Davis's tournament, his match against Evil on night nine, his match against Sonata on night 11, just great stuff. But again, just to remind you, the Evil match is not there for your work rate, but it's just too fun. It's too much fun. And the crowd was into it, which added, which made this match feel even more special. It's not your work rate spectacular. It's what, like a... It's an 11, 12 minute match. It's not going to ruin your day. You can sit down, you know, at lunch, fire it up, you know, eat it with your, your hoagie. With your, you know, <laughs> with your dessert cup. Your juice box. And, uh, and then you can, uh, uh, and you can move on with your day, but you'll enjoy it. So now Mark Davis, night 11, uh, night 11. I keep saying 9-11, but then night, night, night 11, which was fantastic. And of course, the finals, I thought the finals were great. But if you're going to watch the finals of the New Japan Cup, you are going to do yourself a favor and you are going to start by watching Hiromu versus Leo Rush. And, and, and frankly, between you and me, that was a tough act to follow. For Sonata and, and Dave Finley. Because that crowd was molten for Rush and Takahashi. Molten. It was a great crowd throughout. But man, that was a tough act to follow. 
and Sinana and, and, and Finley did great. Anything we should avoid, Warren? I'm glad you asked. Shota versus Yujiro in night one. That's a stinker. Sonata versus Kenta on night five. They decided to, they, fi they figured it would be a good idea for these two guys who I believe are unable to have a good match against each other. Because I'm trying to think back at the last match that Kenta and Sonata had against each other. Was it in the G1? I don't remember. But I do remember going, this match stinks. No, it was jury, it was for the, uh, it was in the TV title tournament. The, the New Japan World TV title tournament. And I was like, this match stinks. It was one of the worst matches of the tournament. It's one of the match, worst matches of the tournament here. The only difference is that during the TV title tournament, the matches had a 15-minute time limit. And now in this match here, on night five, they win 30. That's insane. Do not watch that match. You can also avoid Evil versus Jeff Cobb on night seven. But those are really like the, we're talking bar bottom of the barrel, just like skip. Folks, there is a, there is a, uh, who, there is a, uh, there is a, 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 a big news. There's big news. A, a big free agent has now been released into the wild of pro wrestling. You know, is it, you know, it we're, we're out there now, uh, uh, up for grabs, you know, ready to, to accept the biggest offer out there. Reportedly, our boy, Bill Goldberg, is a free agent now that his WWE contract has expired. Oh, Nelly, let's, let's find out what's going on here via the fine, fine folks at Figure Four Online. Goldberg is reportedly a free agent. Fightful Select reported on Monday that Goldberg's contract with WWE expired at the end of 2022 with no deal being reached to renew or extend it. Goldberg last wrestled for the WWE at the Elimination Chamber event last February, losing to Roman Reigns in a match that was for the WWE Universal title. And then we get a little background here. After a long period away from the ring, Goldberg made his return to WWE back in 2016, facing Brock Lesnar at the at that year's Survivor Series event during his latest run with the company Goldberg won the WWE Universal title not once say it with me now twice once in 2017 by defeating Kevin Owens and a second time in 2020 defeating the fiend Bray Wyatt Um, so listen, <laughs> so, hey, the, um, Goldberg is gone. He's out. He, well, he's not gone. Here's the thing that, here's the thing that bothers me, right? 
Because of course, I was tagged multiple times in the story. People, you know, reached out to me. Did you see the news, Warren? Did you see the happy news? It is what it is. I will note that we are only talking about a contract expiring, right? So whatever contract he had was probably part the legends in there as well. You know, he just gave it up. He just, he's just like, hey, you know what? I'm good. We're done. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it, again, it is what it is. But the, um, we'll notice that he's not talking about retirement. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not celebrating anything. There's, uh, there's nothing, uh, you know, there's, you know, there, there's no champagne to be, uh, to be uncorked. You know, I, you know, we shouldn't be like heading into the streets with our vuvuzelas, streamers. He's still around. And knowing Goldberg, right? Don't freak, not that long ago. Don't, I'm not going to pretend just because I don't talk about it on the, um, just because I don't talk about it on the program, I, I keep abreast with all things Bill Goldberg, because he is, you know, he is a he is a a tumorous mass on the business that you have to make sure it doesn't grow, it can't expand, and 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 you know begin to 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 take root into the business in 2023. We we have to keep an eye on it. So I'm keeping an eye on him. And he had an interview recently where he's saying, "I am owed a retirement match." Those were weren't that his exact words. Hang on a second. I am, let me pull this up here. Goldberg owed retirement match. Isn't that the exact words he said? He says, WWE owes him a retirement match. He said this in an interview with Sports Illustrated. Quote, you never say never, especially in wrestling, and they owe me one. Speaking about a retirement match. They owe me one. That's all I can say. I made a deal with the devil and I did my job and they owe me a retirement match. You made a deal with the devil out of your own free will. Now, if the devil turns around and say, hey, I'm not going to give you your retirement match. You said it yourself. You made a deal with the devil. Usually, typically, historically, in a literary compunction, you are not, uh, if you make a deal with the devil, you are not getting what you are supposed to receive. He's going to try and screw you out of it because it's the devil. So if anything, this is making sense to me. I made a deal with the devil. They owe me one. No! If you thought the devil was going to give you a retirement match, you're as dumb as you look, Bill. The devil never pays up. He'll always screw you over. So does WWE own a retirement match? I don't care. I don't think the wrestling business owes Bill Goldberg anything. The pro wrestling business owes nothing to Bill Goldberg. This is a man who took and took and took 
It's a guy who, who started training, who decided to go into wrestling as a plan B because he got hurt. Couldn't play football anymore. It was like, it's the second best. Got pushed too early. Was surrounded by, by some of the greatest finessers in the business. Hogan, Nash. But we followed suit. Listened to them. Didn't realize how great of an opportunity he had. Thought he was special. Until he got exposed again and again and again. People got wise to it. Sure, he drew a lot of money. Can never take that away from him. Brother drew a lot of money. What did he do for the pro wrestling business? Outside of making money for himself and for a company that eventually flopped. What did he do? What did he give back? When he returned, he took the title away from Kevin Owens. Every time he came back, it was to fight dudes. Fight for the title. Of course, to fight dudes, but to fight for the title. He comes back when The Fiend is at its height. And he's no-selling The Fiend. I'm not afraid of it. He's injured dudes. He's injured Brett. I don't have to run through the litany of bullshit that Bill Goldberg has put wrestling through. Pro wrestling does not owe Bill Goldberg anything. Not a single thing. WWE doesn't owe him a thing. It's not WWE that, you know, I was talking on Twitter with Suit Williams, contributor over at VoicesOfWrestling.com and Suit says the greatest thing about the, the, the modern uh, uh, run of Bill Goldberg is Vince finally figuring out how to book him. It's enough. I, I can't. There is nothing for there is nothing that this business has to give to Bill Goldberg because all he has done is take. He's never put over the young guys. He's only lost to champions. I re, wasn't it with with Drew McIntyre. I feel like this was a pretty good rant that I had when he was fighting Drew McIntyre and he had the, like this interview and he was saying, well, you know, I kind of feel like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I kind of feel like I'm a, I'm a litmus test for, you know, guys who want to be at the top. If they can beat me, then they're really at the top. I'm like, Jesus Christ. For a guy who was, who is known for one thing and one thing only, and that is his winning streak, his kayfabe winning streak, completely artificial, put together by his booker, smartly booked at the time, but never rose beyond that, never proved that he was anything else than the streak. Bill Goldberg was all, will always be the streak. That's it. He's returned nothing, never given back anything to the business. A business that for years he loathed, that he did not like. There's one thing that he has in common with Vince, it's that. Hates pro wrestling. 
can hit the bricks. He's a free agent now. Tony Khan tweets today in a glorious troll fashion that he, well, he, not, he says that he's paying attention to Bill Goldberg's free agent status. Of course, he's paying attention to it. But I will be goddamned if I see Bill Goldberg on AEW television. I will flip! What does he have to bring? He's got nothing to contribute. What's gonna... What is going to happen? Jack Perry's gonna come out and say, well, you know, what a great opportunity to sit under the Bill Goldberg learning tree. Fuck off! No one's gonna say that. Who's ever said that? This Goldberg has nothing to give. He takes. He takes. He's a leech. He's a tumor. So he's a free agent. You know, to be completely honest with every one of you right now, you know what I think, you know what I think that the, the trajectory is here? He is going to have his retirement match. But I would not be surprised in the least that it takes a couple of years and that it's put on by, I, Conrad, Conrad Thompson puts it on. And he, he promotes it. All of them, you know, a bunch of Goldberg's friends all work for Conrad now. Conrad drew a great house for the Ric Flair retirement. He'd draw an even bigger crowd for the Goldberg one. This is one thing that I'll tell you. If, if Bill Goldberg gets a, w, a proper WWE retirement match, but Kurt Angle never did. I will continue, it will continue the narrative that pro wrestling is broken beyond repair. So I hope he stays far away, as far away from anything pro wrestling related as possible. I, I, I do not want this. I do not want this on any television that I am forced to watch. Blech. Blah. Goodbye, Bill. Words. Don't forget, everyone, especially if a lot of you are joining in right now. Uh, this, uh, this Friday, we're talking the Jericho Vortex, the so-called Jericho Vortex, where we break down each of Chris Jericho's feuds in AEW to see if the people he feuded with are in a better or a worse position than when they started. And I am joined by the flagship's Joe Lanza to break all of that down it's in the can it's recorded I'm excited for y'all to hear that it's happening this Friday subscribe do the bell gimmick do the whole thing AEW house rules happened this weekend it is the uh it is the very first AEW house show that uh that was booked after being announced a few months ago that they were doing this, uh, happened uh, on March 18th, specifically in Troy, Ohio, Ohio, at the Hobart Arena. Everything that is reported at this point that, that I'm speaking 
right now the words that are coming out of my mouth is that every ticket for that show was distributed. Did I say sold? I said distributed. They had a packed house by all intents and purposes. This show is a success. Um, uh, it, you know, I think the only problem is that Hollywood Haley J was booked on this show as a babyface. But other than that, uh, they didn't mince much, right? I mean, you know, it's not the it's not the dynamite setup, of course not. Uh, you know, so a a show that cost less on production, but they had everyone that people love to see, that people paid to see. Mox was there, and he bled. Come on now, <coughs> you, this this here that is a um, that's a big deal. That that's that's commitment. You wanna you wanna tell me? You tell me who the ace of AEW is. I'll tell you who the ace of AEW is. It's the guy who goes to the house shows and blades on the house shows. Um, Britt was there. They even brought out Hook to big reactions. Ruby Soho was there. Powerhouse Hobbs defended the TNT title against Christopher Daniels. Jesus Christ, they even had Pat Buck wrestle. The greatest moment in the history of our great sport. Pat Buck versus QT Marshall. Are you going to tell me I was cheated out of this match? I will never see this match with my own two eyes. Or are they warming up to something? What are we even doing here? They even set up, they even set up an angle at the house show for Dynamite this week with uh, uh, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen and uh, Butcher and the Blade. We're setting up a match on Dynamite, a trios match. you do this how what does this what does this instantly do what does this mean it means the house shows potentially are well not in this case they're important they're worth something they're canon wwe for years years decades has treated their house shows as non-existent they just nothing nothing ever happens outside of the occasional event that might happen at a madison square garden show because msg special right Outside of that, and, and there's so few and far between, but outside of that, house shows, they, they just exist in a void. Things happen on the house shows that we never speak of, right? I, I, we, I talked about this on this very podcast when we were talking about the, uh, when we were talking about the house show uh, potential for AEW, right? Uh, that one of the things that AEW could do very differently from, from, from WWE is make the house shows matter. Like, you know, I you know, I even posit it. I put it out there. Have a title change on a house show. Then you can go back on Dynamite the next, you know, the very next Wednesday and put the title back on the guy or gal who lost it. It doesn't matter. What matters is you did something on a house show that will have a repercussion on the weekly shit. And who cares if no one saw it? If only 3,200 people saw it. You know what? That makes it even more special. That means that in this intimate venue 
with this small crowd, something happened that only these people will be able to say, will be able to tell, will be able to say, hey, you know what? This shit happened while I was there. And no one saw it coming because for decades, we've been told by WWE that the house shows are just junk. It's just the wrestlers goofing off, but there's nothing special that happens here. Here, something happened that was meaningful and I was there. And then with that, what happens then? You do another house show where people are picking up the tickets. You do something else unexpected that has an impact on Dynamite, on TV. Then what happens after that in the next house show? Well, people are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy a ticket to this because something cool might happen. Bringing that up, you're bringing that up, you're bringing that up. And then eventually the house shows just become special. And the audience, look, you could see with the clips that were being sh shared by the audience and by, you know, Tony Khan himself, because, you know, they had, they, they had camera crews there, not like full TV production. Again, documenting the thing, you had camera crews there putting things out on Twitter, it's perfect. <clears throat> That's what he should do. That's what he should do when building this house show business is putting it out on Twitter. Like, look at the party that we're having on a Saturday night. Look at how cool this is. Look at what these people are doing. When we come to your hometown, be sure not to miss it. Right? Like the way this was handled, promoted, and it did look fun. It did look like the audience was having a great time. You know, you had Darby Allen carrying a kid around dressed like him, brought him in the ring, put him on the top turnbuckle, and the kid's doing the, 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 the whatever, you know, the, the, the coffin drop. The kid's dressed like Darby Allen. He's got his favorite wrestler carrying him around the ring, putting him up on, and the crowd is popping for him. I hope in 15 years or whatever, I'd love to hear that that kid decided to start training for becoming a pro wrestler to become a pro wrestler because of that moment these things are great man and the wrestlers were said they was said that you know the wrestlers were saying that you know the atmosphere was so much more chill everyone you know there was a party atmosphere back you know backstage everyone was in a good mood the smaller venue the intimate setting everyone loved it good for morale Now, I've seen stuff of people already moving goalposts immediately, instantly. Oh, well, shouldn't they be putting on more of the young ones? Anna Jay was there. Look, Anna Jay, she's nursing an injury. She was taken off TV because she was hurt. She showed up. She wrestled on the card against Brit, right? If I remember correctly. Good. She should get some reps in. Hurt coming off of an injury before hitting, you know, hitting the big time again. Good. This is what it's for. <clears throat> but already, I, you know, already I see goalposts moving. It's like, this is their first fucking house show. Can we take it? Can we take a step back and just look at what happened and say, you know what? This is an overall positive experience. This is a win for AEW. Let's see how this goes. Let's talk about this when we've got a couple of, you know, when we got a few more in the can. And then we'll see what happens. But I, you know, it, it's crazy how m the amount of minutia this company goes through 
like the you know the uh, the levels of um, uh, of scrutiny that it's it's subjected to that WWE is not. The expectations are insane. I really don't understand. But look, as was said in the chat, this is a big win for Double J, Jeff Jarrett, their, their director of house shows or whatever. I, I forget his title. But, you know, this is his doing. And if the house shows continue to be this successful, uh, go for Double J. Good for him. Probably one of the best hires they, they, they did if, they, if it continues down this path. Next one's going to be in Canada. And from what I understand, a lot of the talent, uh, a lot of the talent came to this show. Uh, you know, a lot of the talent that were on this show are in the Midwest. You know, it's people who made it to the show who are based out of the Midwest, right? So you didn't have the Young Bucks. You didn't have uh, Kenny. You, did, you had Mox, you had Britt, Cassidy, you know, I'm not saying that all of them were from the Midwest, but these are standouts. Is Pittsburgh the Midwest? Well, I don't know. Point, the, the point being is that a lot of these people, uh, you know, they weren't required to be there, right? It wasn't like they, they weren't uh, um, uh, forced to have their contract, you know, in their contracts, you know, where they have obligated dates. These were not part of these obligated dates. They showed up because they wanted to, probably got paid, they, because they wanted to. They didn't have to. I would assume that as we're going along here, you know, the whole crew is going to be up in the um, up in Canada because they're doing a full strip of, 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 of shows. They'll probably uh, maybe a, 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 a more diverse crowd of, of people from everywhere is what I'm trying to say. Whereas when you hit the if they do start doing house shows out, out on the West Coast, well, then maybe, you know, you'll have the Bucks, you'll have, you know, the. The, the the California crew, the California-based wrestlers who'll be, uh, who'll probably be at that show. Probably keep expenses down, you know, because ultimately it will be interesting to see how this develops. Of course, we won't have hard data in regards to the success of, har of, of house shows until we start getting uh, uh, public reporting on revenue, which, you know, again, AEW would have to go public. It's a whole other thing. But, you know, we'll, we probably won't have hard data until many, many years. So, you know, we, we probably won't know just how successful or unsuccessful these house shows will be. And I mean, when I mean successful, I mean uh, uh, business-wise, uh, with revenue and profits and so on and so forth. Will they be money makers? Be hard to say. But, uh, you know, from a from a bare minimum perspective, as you know, as a you know, holding a show in this town here, um, you can't you can't deny that this was a that this was a successful event. Was it profitable? Did it make money? We can we can speculate. 
There's a lot of information we don't have. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Since we're on the subject of AEW business, we have rumors that AEW is going to have a new show on the Turner Broadcasting Network or the Turner National Television or anyway, under the Warner Bros. Discovery banner. I got this from The Observer last week. Let me read you through it. There's been a lot of talk this week about a third weekly AEW wrestling television show. AEW didn't confirm or deny when asked about this. It is notable that Warner Bros. Discovery had just turned down a Ring of Honor television show, which is why it was put on Honor Club. The story is that would be a Saturday show. In theory, that would probably lead to Friday tapings of Rampage and the new show. AEW did, AEW did just file to trademark the term AEW Collision, so that is the likely name if there is a new show. As of late, pretty much everything related, excuse me, as of late, pretty much everything AEW related when it comes to streaming has had great declines in numbers and Rampage is at a low point. Dynamite does strong ratings, not as strong as a year ago, and live gates and pay-per-views are healthy, but pay-per-view is down from one year ago. That is what we got from, uh, from David Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer and the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Um, so yes, there has been a lot of talk regarding this. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk about uh, what this means for AEW. And, you know, we're going to put on our hats and just say, let's say this is indeed happening. Let's just say, uh, uh, there's nothing confirmed. We don't know. Like, they, there hasn't been an official press release. This might not be happening. It might fall through. We, there's a lot of things that can happen. But let's just say that there is. Let's just say that uh, uh, Warner Bros. is like, hey, um, we'd like you to give us another hour of programming in, in the week. And Tony Khan was like, yeah, what about, you know, I've, got, I've got this Ring of Honor thing. And they're like, no, 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 no. What, I don't know what this Ring of Honor thing is. AEW is the brand we want. What do you think that means? Now, I know you guys, gals, the non-binary pals are smart. You're the A-plus audience of the best D-list podcast out there. I know you get this. What does this mean? It means that Warner Bros. Discovery is very happy with their relationship with AEW. I would go as far as to say that Warner Bros. Discovery enjoys having AEW programming on their networks. I would even go as far as to say this. I would say they are very satisfied with their performance, right? You know, I don't think that they, uh, I don't think they just want wrestling on their TV shows because they like pro wrestling. I think it's because they enjoy their performance in ratings, ad revenue, ad rates. And it sounds to me, 
Sounds to me they're pretty satisfied. And um, and I would say I, I I'm 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 gonna go down. I'm gonna dare this. I'm gonna I'm gonna dare to say this. I would say anyone who has a microphone like this, well, not like this. A lot of people have Yeti microphones. I have an Audio-Technica, which is a really good microphone, and I really, really like it. It's a better microphone than most of the, you know, entry-level Yetis. I'm just saying. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit for my equipment. Most people, let me start. Most people who have a microphone like this and who have a podcast and who are telling you out there or who have a Twitter account, like to type out 240 characters. I like to tell you that AW's in the mud, in the pits, and that Warner Brothers doesn't like them. They're full of shit. And we have to stop this discourse. This is something that has to end. Because from the beginning of their relationship to right now, all every, every sign points to Warner Bros. Discovery, the new owners, just like the old ones, the new owners see value in AEW. Is Rampage doing mind-blowing numbers every Friday night? No. Is it in the mud as to where it used to be? Yes. It's not, but it's not dismal. We're not doing impact on access numbers. And regardless, Impact is still, Access is still satisfied with the numbers that Impact is doing. So if you look at the numbers that Rampage are doing, you might look at this in the lens of, you know, modern day television. You might be looking at, you know, SmackDown, which is on network television, not cable but free over-the-air TV, you may be going, oh, they're in the mud. Instead of looking at the big picture and thinking, well, what is a good rating for a cable network on a Friday night at 10 p.m.? Clearly, the numbers that Rampage is pulling are good enough for the boss to say, yeah, this is good. Because here's another bit of discourse that I've been hearing. If Rampage would be doing better numbers, TBS would give them another time slot. And I don't understand this logic. What is this logic? As if it's a punishment to be on at, at that time? Is this, is this it? Or is this where TBS needs this type of programming, this type of ad, ad rates? Maybe this is exactly what they need on a Friday night at 10. Maybe they don't want to be number one. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe they, they just need to sell the appropriate ads and maybe they're getting exactly what they need. This is what a lot of fans don't understand because we're still caught in this mentality of a Monday night war where we're clearly head to head on a Monday night 
two companies doing the exact same product trying to make it, you know trying to to out outdo the other because they want they want the bigger rating so that they can sell more ads get a better ad rate this isn't it it's crazy how much the business has changed but people still act like it's 1997 I'm not going to sit here and defend, you know, and tell you Rampage's numbers are uh, out of control, crazy good. But what I'm saying is the nuance here is clearly they're not upset about it. They think Rampage is fine there. And it's not just we're going to move Rampage to another time. It's more like we are going to give you, AEW, another hour of programming. Give us another 60 minutes of show of your pro wrestling content. How it does not, how does that not translate into a positive? How does this not set the table for Nick, Tony Khan to renegotiate this year, to renegotiate a raise? This is absolutely what we should be expecting at this point. Warner Bros. Discovery giving T, uh, giving AEW more money for another three to four years. It kind of seems obvious to me. And I don't know how anyone is spinning this down saying, well, I don't know. I don't know how anyone can see this as a bad thing. Other than, you know, complete ignoramuses or bad faith operators. It's either or. And, and here's the, look, look. You've got, you, you know, you, you, Tony tried to give them the ROH show and they said no. And if they say yes to an extra hour of, 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 of programming, what do you think that, that means that they have faith in the AEW brand. I think we're building something here. We're not going to dilute it by adding another wrestling company with another name. Again, from a network perspective, from a, a broadcasting perspective, that makes sense. So... It's not that they don't want more wrestling. They want more AEW wrestling specifically. And anyone who is out there saying you're, they're overexposing the product is, again, bad faith. Is doing this in bad faith. Or is a content creator. Because I... I, I cannot imagine a wrestling fan or an AEW fan, let's just a fan of all elite wrestling saying, man, I can't believe my favorite wrestling promotion is getting another hour. I can't believe it. What a bad thing. I'm going to get more of what I like. Blah, 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 blah. I, that doesn't make sense to me. These are pundits 
trying to make themselves sound smarter than they are by saying, do they risk overexposure? WWE for years has been putting out seven hours of programming per week and I have never heard anyone say, boy, WWE sure is overexposed. What is this nonsense? AEW, I'll tell you what it is. And it's the exact same people I'm convinced who complain that AEW pay-per-views are too long. It is a content creator problem that they're putting out there to try and make it into a real issue, a hot button issue to the point that when you have the, the, the fucking media scrum, you have, or the, 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 the pre pay-per-view call, you have wrestling media saying, well, how do you, how do you feel about a shorter pay-per-view? Not as many matches, you know, it's like, you know, oh, why does the pay-per-view length matter? It doesn't, not to AEW, it matters to wrestling journalists, wrestling pundits, reviewers, people who cover it, people who take it upon themselves to cover everything, then they're like, not another hour for wrestling. It's a, it, it's a, it's a content creator problem. It is a made up issue. It do, it's not real, it doesn't exist. I would dare you to find me an AEW fan that is absolutely upset, upset at this. Maybe some reservations, maybe one having some logical thoughts about, well, what kind of talent are they going to put on there? Will they be able to maintain interest, you know, over another, an extra hour a week, which is a fair question to ask, but it's not overexposure. It's a fair question to ask. You know, it, Rampage already feels like a B show. What's going to end up with this show here? Like these are all logical questions, but all have answers, all have, uh, or at least solutions that you can come up with. Overexposure is a stupid argument. And again, it is strictly a content creator problem does not apply to Fans who just watch whatever they want, whenever they want. It doesn't. No one thinks about that except people like me, but I don't have an issue with it. I say, bring me more wrestling. Give me more choice. Give me more stuff to watch. Entertain me. I love wrestling. Give me more choice. I am able, at this point in my podcasting, uh, 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 I don't say career because I don't make a living off of this. But since I started podcasting to this point, because there is a greater variety of pro wrestling now than when I started, I can cover what I want. I can cover what I feel like covering. I'm, I don't feel beholden to absolutely have to watch stuff that drains my soul. So yes, give me more choice, please. There is not much we can say more than what we're saying right now in regards to the success that AEW is, has been. This is good stuff. 
This is good shit, pal. It is good news for AEW. And I will continue to maintain. I will continue to maintain that regardless of how things go and the negotiations happen, the presence of AEW on national television in the United States is an impediment to WWE getting a better deal, I am convinced. You know, you had the thing a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember if I talked about it here on the on uh, on the Mr. Warren Hitchell proper, but a couple of weeks ago, you know, you had uh, yeah, you had those economists coming out. Merrill Lynch can't quite remember. I think it was Merrill Lynch coming out and saying, you know, they expect. Although they're always very conservative when it comes to WWE, don't get me wrong, but they were saying uh, they don't expect SmackDown to be renewed at a higher price because the ad rates aren't great. Because ultimately what they were saying is that Fox is overpaying for SmackDown. Now, I posited back then, and I'll say it again, it is entirely possible, but not a certainty, but it is possible to look at a at at the WWE's competition, AEW, who is being sold licensed at a fraction of the price of WWE and is being successful, not drawing as big ratings, but interesting, good ratings, always being in like the top five on the, you know, on Wednesday nights in the demo, which is critical always at least in the top five most most weeks anyway you have those and you look at and, and, and they cost a fraction of the price and they're getting ads in probably making some interesting money for the network probably making good money whereas WWE which positions itself as a premium product sold at a premium Premium ad rates, but are not making the money back. I think it 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 bears to uh, to imagine that people negotiating around the table are looking at AEW. Not, and I'm not saying Fox is like we should consider picking up AEW. That's not what I'm saying. But they're looking at what's happening on the other side of the fence, and they're like, Nick, Vince. You're not making us money and you got these guys over here. They're making a fraction of it. They're, they're making, they're, you know, they're, they're not, not making as much money, but they're not losing money for the company. They're making money for the company. And they're, they're worth a fraction of what you guys are worth. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is a, uh, a, 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 a little bump in the road to, for the negotiations, a little something that WWE has to contend with, that they have... You know, again, not suitors, but a little extra competition there. A little something that might have networks reevaluate what WWE truly is worth. Between that and the house shows, I don't know how anyone can sit here and say, 
AEW's dying. AEW's in the mud. Business-wise, things are going well. Could we use more growth? Yes, absolutely. But every metric, there, every metric that uh, that is significant to a network is good. It's good everywhere. And the company's doing good. Filling out house shows. Live events are good. Pay-per-view buys, still very good, still healthy. A lot of people are excited to ring the death knell. And, and I'm really sick of... Yeah. I wanted to, I might as well segue into it, but I'm, I'm really sick of, you know, talking about wrestling discourse. Because I always end up saying things like this and talking about, you know, bad faith actors and other podcasters who are doing their thing. And I don't ever want to give the impression that I'm, you know, that I think I'm the bee's knees, that I think I'm such a, you know, a revelation to the world of podcasting. I'm not. But there's so many people out there who are just being, acting in bad faith and, 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 and saying things without taking a time to step back to think about what they're doing, you know. You know, I talk about reaction culture because of you know, Twitter and so on and so forth. Like we, we, we don't think, we have to react. We have to jump on our applications and let everyone know how dissatisfied we are about something without thinking about shit first. And, I'm, and, 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 and I tire of these conversations. And I tire of, 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 of online wrestling discourse because we never have a chance to really talk about wrestling. We just don't. Not on public forums like Twitter.com. It's, it's exhausting. And this past week, the announcement of the, of the, of the dream match between Kenny Omega and El Hijo, de, uh, El Hijo del, Vin, uh, del Vin, Vikingo, excuse me, Jesus. Um, the, the meltdown that I have seen with my own two eyes, not just by, you know, Roman avatars on Twitter, but by thought leaders, people who are in positions that dwarf mine, Losing their mind and instead of embracing change, instead of embracing something new, can only find themselves shitting on, uh, uh, on the match, not understanding, trying to pull out every type of argument in the book to say, how is this a dream match? How is this a dream match? Doesn't make sense. Shouldn't there be build? 
How can you have a dream match with only one, uh, with barely a weak build? Why are you putting a, a, a video package of this dream match on the B show? It should be on the A show. Should be, should be, should be. We've only seen one company do business for two decades. So we only have, uh, the, so, you know, we all assume that there's only one way to do things. There's only one type of fan. Like, we're, this is bottom barrel analysis that is out there. This is nothing significant. It is nothing, nothing to elevate pro wrestling in any way, shape, or form. These individuals who are losing their minds could decide to do the opposite and have themselves or their staff create a, a, a situation to see, wow, there is a huge contingent of wrestling fans who are excited because of this. Maybe we should produce content to understand and explain why this is a big deal. As opposed to saying, I don't know who these people are. It's not interesting. These people in these positions just end up shrugging and saying this is garbage instead of trying to understand why wrestling fans might be excited for Omega versus Vikingo. No, we're going to, instead, we're going to take the, we're going to take the absolute lowest road and, and, and instead of trying to elevate discourse, instead of trying to create common ground, understanding, now we're going to bury it. We're just going to go out there and we're, and we're going to feed we're going to feed these people who are already bad faith operators. We're going to embolden them and say, yes, let's continue just having one homogenized product. Let's keep saying that AEW, the only way it can succeed is if it, can, if it starts, it has to start incorporating uh, more sports entertainment stuff. Let, let, let's continue pushing that. As if there is no other way to do things. As if there is no other way to succeed. As if the only way to be a success is to be the overwhelming number one majority. Right? You can't be... For some people, you can't... Your company can't... Even if your company makes money, it's not successful if it's not making all the money. And that's not realistic. That's not even what capitalism is. It doesn't, like, none of it makes sense. So when I see Vikingo and Omega being announced, I flip my lid. Most of the people around me flip my lid. They flip my lid, they flip their lids. <laughs> but 
but I can't take this anymore. I can't. Like there is no space out there. There is the, the people, because there's people in influence, in high levels of influence that could take, that could take what they have and say, look, let's figure this out. Instead of just relating it to, oh, it's just the nerds who are excited about this. Are you going to have nerds who are going to fill out an arena watching this? It's the same nerds that filled out the United Center last year in Chicago for a show that, as far as I was told, was only nerds who were going to watch. That turned out to be one of the most successful pay-per-views last year and one of the greatest pay-per-views ever put on. No, it's just for nerds. It's only nerds who are going to watch Omega and Vikingo. I disagree. And we have to stop this shit. But I'm not going to stop it. There's no way it's going to be, I'm going to be able to stop it. I'm exhausted with online discourse regarding wrestling. No one talks about wrestling. No one talks about the, 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 the sport, the athleticism, the storytelling. Everything that composes a wrestling match. No, everyone reacts. No one researches. No one thinks. What's what has happened to curiosity and discovery? Why do we need everything spoon-fed? Are we fucking morons? I'm not a fucking moron. I don't expect to have everything spoon-fed to me. I don't. Even though I mess up the expression, I'm still not a fucking idiot. I'm just old. What's happened? What's happened to... Because there were days. And I'm old enough to remember them. When people got excited with these obscure matches you could never see on TV. Talk about them on message boards and I'd salivate over it because I didn't have access to ECW, for instance. Everyone losing their mind over it. It's like, all I wanted to see was one of these matches. I wanted to see for myself. I wanted to see what was going on in Japan. And now we have everything at our fingertips. We have everything at our fingertips. The wealth of human knowledge that is available to us in our pockets on these things. And yet, we still find the possibility. We still have the capacity. To have things presented to us in a discovery fact, in a way where it's like, this will titillate your senses. This will, you know, you'll discover something here and we won't even be bothered to find out anything about it. We, our curiosity is shut down. We have, we, despite the fact that the knowledge is right there for us to access, we prefer to entrench ourselves than open ourselves up more. And this is... This is not just a pro wrestling issue. 
I'm aware of this. But it's frustrating and it's sad and it drags down internet discourse. People talk about an internet wrestling community. I remember an internet wrestling community. What we have now is everyone online. There is no internet wrestling community. It's people that are online who watch wrestling. It's not the same. You want to find communities of of pro wrestling fans, you head to Discord. You head to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord and other Discords of the like. Where people actually talk about the fucking matches. Where people are excited to discover new talent. Where people are not dumb enough to sit around and think to themselves, hey, I just, I've never heard of this guy, I'm going to shut it down. That's enough. Everything about all of this over the past week, I found exhausting. And the thing is that there's people I like who are on board with this and I, and I can't support it. I, I, and I'm thankful for everyone who is a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord because I feel we have a good time there. I think everyone is respectful. You know? And we do have this sense of discovery, this sense of, you know, wanting to, 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 to dive deeper and explore more in regards to wrestling and have an open mind. It doesn't mean... And if you were just to come out and tell me, this is the thing, if you were just to come out and tell me more and I don't like this, I respect you for telling me that. You don't like it, that's fine. Let's move on. We'll never talk about it again. But trying to create an issue, trying to intellectualize it. How can you have a dream match with, with only a week of build? That's the very essence of what a dream match is. What are we even talking about? Why don't you just come out and tell me? Just say it with your mouth, with your whole heart. I do not like this. I will respect that so much more than any straw man arguments you can create to try and make people feel that they are, uh, that they are correct in feeling weird about it. That they too should come up with weird shit to say this is bad. Omega versus Vikingo is not a bad idea on a random Wednesday night. This might be the only window that we have opened to, ha to hold this match on North American soil. Let's jump all over it. I don't need weeks of build for this. No one does. Even if you don't know who he is, you're going to watch it on Dynamite and you're going to be like, this guy, this guy, this is nuts. Twitter is a is 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 it's never been a place for discussion for For true exchange, 
It never has been. And it's especially true with what, we, what connects us right now, which is pro wrestling, which is why you're watching and listening to this right now. Find your communities. Find your people. Wherever they... It, you know, maybe you're very much in tune with what I talk about here. Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe it's like, no, you know what? I want to find WWE folks. Go right ahead. That's fine. That's what you should do anyway. Find people who are like you. But for God's sake, at least keep an open mind. At least don't ruin the fun for people who do, who are excited about this. Just stop. <laughs> um, I'm just going to wrap it up this week with some talk about the first, the main event of the first night of WrestleMania. That's been getting some, some, some chitter-chatter as well. This is also a topic that I talked about uh, with, the, uh, with the members on Friday on the members-only stream. Um, because it's still not clear what the main event of night one is. Cody Roman, night two, as it should be. But here... This, this is what popped up out of the Observer on, uh, on Friday. And that sort of set up a, a firestorm of, of comments, not just by people online, but also from, uh, from wrestlers and WWE-adjacent individuals. It appears, this is from the Observer, it appears to be official at this point that the two WrestleMania main events will be Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley on April 1st, which will also include Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul, and Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes on April 2. We had reported weeks back that Reigns versus Rhodes was the night two main event and that Flair versus Ripley was favored to be the night one main event. When we asked about Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn headlining night one, since at the time Zayn was the company's hottest babyface character, we were told that there were political reasons in play to where Flair versus Ripley would most likely get that spot. It is not clear that the Usos match will be on night one, but when the original idea was to create a second world title with Rollins, Drew McIntyre, or Rhodes, Rhodes would be in this if The Rock was facing Reigns, as th the three people considered for it, that was to be the night one main event, but it became the women's match when that idea fell by the wayside, at that point in time, the Usos title defense was scheduled for night one. Now, of course, this makes a lot of people upset that it's not going to be Kevin and Sammy versus the Usos on night one for the main event, right? Uh, of course, it makes a lot of people happy that it's the women's match, right? Um, and I, you know, there's a case for both. I can't say that I'm disappointed in you know, Charlotte and Rhea main eventing night one. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. I think there should be more main, more WrestleManias being main evented, even if it's, you know, one night out of the two main evented by women. I, I think, I think it's fantastic. And Rhea's great. Rhea's one of the, uh, 
Rhea is one of the most over women in um, in their in, in their company right now. So sure, put her put her up there. Uh, it'll work. It works. But there is a case for both. Like if you're booking this, if you're booking this in a more traditional way, where you're paying attention to what the audience is reacting to, uh, what the you know what's popping quarter hours, as they like to say. Uh, on Monday nights and Friday nights, what's drawing attention, what's, uh, uh, you know, selling tickets. There's no question that both main events for both nights of your show should be bloodline related. I keep being told it is the greatest story ever told. So go for it. Pay it off properly. Have your principles get all of their licks in one last time so that we can have a final big payoff and it is hot it is hot as hell sammy is a super hot act in the company this whole thing with the jay uso it's working it's crazy because now yeah you know, all i see you know i see everyone fantasy booking going like but after WrestleMania, Roman and Jay, I'm like, Jesus, this isn't even settled yet. So if you're, again, doing this in a more traditional way, you're paying attention to your audience and you're like, we got to give them a proper payoff. This is what, this is what you do. And besides, this is what everyone was telling me when Sammy lost at the Elimination Chamber. Don't worry, Warren. Sammy's going to get the main event in a tag team match against the Usos. Don't worry. Huh? I'm not surprised. This is WWE we're talking about. So on one hand, that's the case there. The other hand, the other hand you can make is that Charlotte is the golden girl of the women's division. She's, she's the chosen one. She is the John Cena. She is the Roman Reigns. She, she you know, why, why do so many people online, why have so many people online turned on her? Why are so many fans turned on her and, you know, are like, oh, Charlotte, she's always involved in everything because they want her to be involved in all the top programs because she is the one. She's the one that Vince always wanted to be on top of things. She, she was the one who was supposed to main event uh, WrestleMania 36. And then Becky happened. Becky was not part of the plan. Then Becky happened and instead of just making it a one-on-one -on -one with Ronda, which ultimately really should have been, they had to shoehorn Charlotte into it, who had nothing to do with that feud. So she's getting her main event because that's who she is. That's she she was probably promised a main event for quite a few years. I'm just saying probably. And now they have to act on it. This is the opportunity to do it. That's fine. And again, I don't have an issue with the women being in the main event. Absolutely not. I encourage it. However, this program with Rhea Ripley is super cold. Cold as ice. It even goes as far as to say that 
every women's program for WrestleMania is cold. Maybe this is part and parcel for my preview next week. Stay focused on uh, on the situation here, on what we're talking about. The program is cold with Rhea. Uh, all they've been doing is talking to each other and Dom and... I don't know why anyone would think that Rhea has a chance because Rhea's just been smug. Everyone is smug in WWE. We're back to this now. There's no... Outside of a few individuals, everyone is smug. No one gets mad. No one gets upset. It's just smirks and uh snide comments and everyone is above everything. And that's, that is the issue right now is with, 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 with putting Charlotte and Rhea in the main event as opposed to the tag team match because it's because one match, because the, Charlotte and Rhea is not even close to being as hot as the bloodline stuff is. And that's what you should be putting in the main event. Should so I get both sides. But ultimately, this is my position on the thing. Like, I, you know, I, I see, I, I feel like there are uh, reasons on both sides to justify doing it. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that uh, one is, is better than the other. No, one is better than the, than the other regardless. But, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just not saying like I'm not... I'm, you know, I can let you guys and gals and non-binary pals make up your mind in that regard. But as for me, my position is this. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter who goes on last on night one of WrestleMania. I would even say it doesn't even matter who goes on last on night two of WrestleMania. Because... Why bother putting a hot match in the main event of WrestleMania when the tickets are sold and you already have all the money from your TV licensing? WWE isn't out there needing to sell pay-per-views. They will. You know, they're still traditional pay-per-view buys. But it's a fraction of what, they, what, what their overall revenue is. They already have the licensing from the Peacock deal. They have the money. It's done. They don't have to compete. They don't have to get you excited for WrestleMania. Because they announced WrestleMania without announcing a single match on it. And the show was practically sold out. So who cares? what they put on at the end. It doesn't matter from a business perspective. It doesn't matter. So they can, they, creative, can put on whatever match at the end they want. To hell with the fans. It doesn't matter. 
because to them they have nothing to compete against. You're all watching it regardless. And even if you're not watching it, they still have the money. You see what I mean? So you can write out all the think pieces you like in regards to how Rhea and Charlotte should be the main event or how the Usos and Sammy and Kevin should be the main event. It doesn't matter. And it's not going to change anything because it's whatever they want to put on at the end that's going to go on at the end. And it's not going to have a single solitary change. It's not going to change a goddamn thing to their bottom line, what they do. Because you're either being, you're, you, either you already have your ticket there to be there live, or, uh, uh, you, uh, uh, or you're going to be watching it on Peacock, and WWE already has the Peacock money. And, pro, and I, trust me, I will have this exact same uh, uh, argument for you if you, if we get to Forbidden Door 2 and we have, we have to start arguing about the main events there. Should it be, I think the main event should be Kenny versus Will Ospreay and not, um, you know, Mox versus uh, fucking uh, Tetsuya Naito. I don't know. You know. Throwing stuff out there. For the same reasons, because Forbidden Door is going to sell out. Forbidden Door 2 is going to sell out. It's going to do great buys regardless. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. See, it doesn't matter. In fact, look, come to think of it, my, my, my example for, for Forbidden Door isn't even all that great because there has to be pay-per-view buys. AEW has to, AEW has to get people to buy the pay-per-view. So they have to put on hot matches and they have to build them appropriately and put them on, you know, at the right moment to make it feel special. WWE doesn't care. So whatever happens, you know, listen, if Charlotte and Rhea main event, I'll, I'll be stoked for them. I'll be excited. I'll be worried because they will be put in a position where they are uh, destined to fail. Set up for failure, I should say. Maybe not destined, but they'll be set up to fail because they'll be going on at the end of the match, at the end of a card where everyone will, where people at least live will be like, this should be Sammy, uh, Sammy Zayn should be here and they won't be as hot and they will need to over deliver in their match. To get the audience into it. And I'm sure they will. But they're going to have to work hard as hell. It's an unfair position to put them in. Is what I'm trying to say. It's a very unfair position to put them in. Then what's going to happen? If the match. If, 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 if. The match sucks. If the main. If Charlotte and, and, and Rhea. Not only under deliver. But it's a bad match. Who's going to get cooked? We'll see what happens there. There you have it. I think we're good. 
gonna wrap this up weekly wrestling inspection here we go I got cranky <laughs> is it time is it time for bed Warren you getting you getting ornery because it's time for bed <laughs> I want to thank everyone for joining me live this evening on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. If you did, that's super cool. Consider one last time a like and or a subscription to the Mr. Warren Hayes show channel here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I would appreciate it a great deal. And if you were listening to this on my your favorite podcast app, thank you very much. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star rating on Spotify would be great. I would just dig it so hard. So consider doing it. Do not forget, I will be back on Thursday with the AUW Dynamite Review. And then Friday, special edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I'll be joined by Joe Lanza of the uh, flagship podcast to talk about the so-called Jericho Vortex. Uh, do people who feud with Jericho get sucked into a vortex of doom? We're going to break that down. Great little exercise. Hope you tune in for that. But in the meantime, I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Thank you again. I'll see you next time.